Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> BFFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. I made a vow earlier this week that I would get back to writing about people and players and the games and divert for just a moment from all the conversation about expansion and the fate of the conference and all this nonsense. I needed this as much as you did. But I wrote yesterday and I wrote into the wee hours of this morning. I probably slept three hours last night because I was into writing this piece about Daniel Lanning. If you haven't read it, take a look at johnconzano.com. I'm not going to read it to you on air. But his father, Don, and his mother, Janice, were just fantastic telling stories about their son. In the rolling hills, in the piles of limestone, rural Missouri... Joining us now, Don Lanning, father of Daniel Lanning. How are you, sir? I'm good, thank you, John. How are you? I'm doing well. Give me an idea, because you and I have a long conversation, and Janice participates in the conversation. I ask a lot of questions that you know uh, I, I'm curious about, and then you get the experience of actually reading it afterwards. What is that experience like for you? Oh, man. Uh, the... Uh... The thing came in this morning when I was out uh, uh, on another at another obligation. I couldn't read it right away, but I knew it was there. And uh, oh, I tell you, I was chomping a bit to to get to see what you had written there. And uh, and I finally got a chance I could. I just pulled into a parking lot and read it off my phone. And I got to tell you, it was uh, very touching. Uh, and uh, 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 my my other Daniel's brother David. Uh, and I talked about it a little briefly after that, but it was uh, it was very touching. A dad's uh, pride, if that's the right word, his satisfaction with seeing his his sons achieve is pretty amazing. Yeah, I've got three daughters, and we're you know we're just getting started with that. Is there you know the youngest is still pretty young, but let's go back to Daniel Lanning, little Daniel as a kid. Like, did you did you think football coach when he was a kid, or what were you thinking career wise? Oh. I'll tell you, John, for a long time, the possibilities seemed pretty limitless. Uh, Daniel was uh, uh, so, he, he's the kind of person, he still is to this day, who's so focused on what has his attention and his uh, his interest at a, at a particular time. You could see him going any direction. When he was, when he was a kid, his passions were uh, varied. And uh, all the way from being, he was, he was quite... Uh, adept for his age at, at, at drawing and artistry and painting and stuff like that. Uh, and for a while we thought, you know, we got an artist on our hand here, maybe. <laughs> uh, uh, it was, uh, that was just it. Just whatever, whatever, whatever really got him at the time. But the one consistent thing ever since his little boy has always been sports. I love that. We are talking to Don Lanning, yeah. father of Dan Lanning, the Oregon football coach. Uh, give us an idea. You know, you and your wife, both school teachers. Uh, you know, 
four decades uh, as a, a teacher, you know, you mainly in science and middle school science, your wife, English and liberal arts and writing and reading. And, you know, you've, you've been around a lot of kids, not just your own over yeah. the years. How did, how right. did how, what, what's life like when you have two teachers as parents and you got kids in the household and, you know, you, you know, you, you, I always thought I got a break from school and I, I wondered what's it like to be a teacher who's got kids? Well, uh, I don't know that from the parenting uh, part of it, I don't know if it's any different than any other occupation. Uh, you know, uh, we, when, when Dan, when Daniel was a young kid, uh, uh, even, well, even all the way through high school, uh, Janice and I taught in a different community than we live in, than the boys went to school in. Uh, so there wasn't a lot of crossing, uh, that way. Uh, when uh, she and I both uh, moved down to teach in the community where we live, uh, Daniel's already out of high school, but the other kids, uh, then, then we had, <laughs> then we really, it's a small town. And so then we really had some connections <laughs> then we, they couldn't, they couldn't move that we didn't know about it. The, the funny part about it was, uh, when Daniel, by the time he got to high school, he and his brother both were like this. Uh, I didn't grow up in Richmond. Uh, we moved here when, uh, when you wrote about your story there, but we moved here when Daniel was three years old. Uh, so our boys essentially did grow up here in Richmond. Uh, but, uh, by the time they got to high school, uh, all around town, I became known as, oh yeah, you're, you're David's dad, right? Or you're Daniel's dad, right? I didn't have my own identity for a few years there. I was known as just whoever, whoever was the one that was out there right now. I know I was known as his dad. Yeah. Jordan's dad, whatever. <laughs> I love that. Uh, you know, you guys mentioned, you mentioned the move. I wrote about it a little bit, but you know, the decision to move from the city essentially to the farm, your in-laws had, 300 plus acres and you know you and your wife i thought it was really interesting you, you made a promise to the lord you made a promise to your kids can you can you maybe speak to that a little bit well yes i can we uh have uh, committed raising our kids uh in a godly way ever since they since they were born i mean that's always been our our goal and our objective is to be godly parents and raise them to be godly men and women and uh, they're not perfect, and neither are we. But uh, <clears throat> but they know the Lord, and uh, and we do too. And our commitment that uh, when the kids were little was to uh, uh, give them a stable home and a stable school environment. Uh, there's one thing that you talked about earlier about the idea of parents of teachers, and uh, one thing that we had both seen many times in our career is that. It can be really traumatic sometimes for kids to have to uh, change schools, and uh, and sometimes that's not avoidable. And 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 a good a good parent uh, will be able to deal with that, uh, but it's just hard. And uh, so we made a commitment, and we 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 made a vow to the Lord and to our boys, even though they didn't understand it, that we would make sure that they had the stable home with their mother and me, and that they would have a stable school environment by not being moved once they started kindergarten. They're going to be in the same schools until they graduate high school i think it's that fantastic was, that, yeah. was, that was our pledge to the kids and, and to ourselves too give me an idea you know because as i spoke to you you know i wrote about this as well but i think you can expand on it a little more you know you guys didn't get to a lot of kansas city chiefs games but dan was a rabid chiefs fan what was that like yeah. to take he and his brother to an nfl game back in the day well 
Oh, gosh, it's exciting. And I tell you what, John, it's pretty exciting for me, too, because I didn't go to Birmingham either. And and they were they were my heroes from my boyhood times too. But uh, but uh, it was it was very exciting. The the, the kids, my, both of the boys that got to go with us, uh, I mean that day, were uh, it, it was just like they'd been down Main Street and Disneyland, plus uh, you know seeing the Grand Canyon, plus every other big high exciting thing you can do and see all happening that day out there at that stadium and in that parking lot and so forth. They really, they really were. Uh, uh, it was the ultimate at that time for them of just, just a, a great experience. Uh, they loved uh, the hope was going out in the parking lot, the tailgating and, and the scene and all that stuff, and then, and then seeing their their heroes inside the stadium, seeing them up pretty close too, was pretty exciting for them. Yeah, I looked up the box score from the game. Marcus Allen played in that game, and Brett Favre was in that game. Yeah. There were seventy nine thousand two hundred eighty one fans in the stadium. That must have felt like that's more people that you know were that lived in your county at the time. That would be about three times the population of our county. <laughs> so yeah, there's approximately twenty five thousand people in Ray County. So they, yeah, you're right. That would that would have been the most people that they'd ever seen in one place at one time, for sure. Did they get close to the players that day? We, uh, we were able to, uh, when the, when we got in the state before before game time, players were going through their warm-ups and so forth. Uh, the seats that we had were in the lower bowl of the stadium, so uh, the boys asked me if there was any, it was okay for them to go down closer. So we walked down the aisle and just stood at the edge of the rail there by the field for, you know, a little while while the kids, while the guys were warming up and so forth. Uh, and, uh, you mentioned Marcus Allen, Marcus Allen walked right in front of the kids and they were just like their, their, their jaws were just hanging slack. They got to see Marcus Allen that close. <laughs> it was pretty exciting. I love that. We are visiting with Dan Lanning's father. It's Don Lanning. Who's joining us from Missouri today, uh, on this radio program. Uh, your kid is, uh, you know, he's moved around. What has it been like for you and your wife to kind of watch him make the progression from, playing at William Jewell to being a graduate assistant and coaching on that Alabama staff and Memphis and Sam Houston State. And, uh, you know, I, I, I gather he didn't unpack his suitcase very often. Well, I'll tell you what, as far as what it was like, John, and what it still is like, uh, is that uh, uh, we have recognized uh, through most of his life that he had the potential to be successful at whatever he focused on, whatever his passion was. And when he uh, decided he wanted to be a, a, in, in football coaching, uh, there was never any doubt in his mother and my minds that uh, that he would achieve a pretty pretty on high level. Uh, now I got to tell you, uh, it come pretty fast, <laughs> and and I, I I don't know that I expected it to come quite so quickly, but but I knew he would be successful at at it, and uh, and he had to start at the ground and work his way up, and, and he's done that and. And uh, he will continue to do that. He, I, I expect him to be wildly successful going forward too at Oregon, and and uh, we're going to see some really great stuff there, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and you know, you've mentioned that you and your wife were public school teachers. You know, and I want I, you know, I come from a family of teachers, and I know we have a lot of teachers who listen to the show, and I want to give a shout out to all the teachers who are out there investing in kids in the. In the community and building pe- building young people, man, it's it's the the greatest commodity and the greatest asset that any any community has is is the young people. Uh, often teachers are not compensated, I, I think, in a way that 
that the rest of us think is uh, they should be compensated. You're watching football coaches. Nick Saban got $94 million yesterday. Dan Lanning's on a six-year deal, almost $30 million. Is, does that make your head spin a little bit? Oh, uh, you know, that's not something I think about very much, to tell you the truth. Uh, you know, we've, Janice and I, uh, as you said, as public school teachers, uh, we, we never, we didn't get into that for money and we didn't make a ton of money, but, but the Lord always provided for us with, with what we needed. And we, we've been able to raise our kids and live in a comfortable lifestyle and do some other good things in this world too. So we're, I just don't even think very much about that. I really don't. Yeah. And I, and I think it was interesting too, because I, I don't think your kid does either. Like, I don't think he is motivated by money. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I would agree with you completely. He is not, is not his primary motivation. He, he, like you and I, understands uh, perfectly well that he has to provide for a family. But, uh, and, and so there's some need for income there. But as far as, as, far as uh, being motivated by getting every, uh, you know, scraping and running after every buck that's out there, that's not him at all. We're talking to Don Lanning, who is in Missouri. It's father of Oregon Ducks football coach Dan Lanning. Don, it's 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 going to be, I think, a surreal experience to see your kid as a head coach. That's your kid out there. In the same way that, you know, when he had that role in the senior class play and he was playing the doctor in Little Shop of Horrors and, you know, he was singing in part of a musical, it must have had that same feeling. Hey, that's my kid out there. Uh, oh, very much so. I'll tell you, uh, when he started uh, coaching uh, at Pittsburgh as a GA, uh, we learned, I had to learn to uh, relearn how to watch football games on television hmm. because, uh, you know, you get in the habit of watching the plays and then you can kind of relax during the interval between the plays. But we found out real quickly that that's, if he's ever going to show up on account on the, on the television screen as the, as an assistant coach or as a GA, it's going to be when they're doing a sideline shot during plays. So we learned that we had to really concentrate and focus on between the plays, and we were going to take a little break. It had to be when the play was going on. So completely reversed the way the way we watched the game on television. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It was it was uh, it's, it's been quite an experience to see him uh, go where he's gone and what he's done. And and also as part of that, his mother and I have been places, literally been physically been to places and things that we never would have dreamed we would ever go to. You know, I've been to two national championship games, and I, I, I can't imagine I would ever have done that otherwise. Um, my first, the first time I was ever at a, a Power Five uh, conference football game was when uh, I went with him to Mizzou when he was in high school, and Mizzou invited high school kids down that they were thinking about recruiting. You know, uh, it's, it's been it's just been quite the experience. Been to. A lot of cool places, and, and in May we got to see the facility there at Oregon and got to see the stadium and uh, so forth. Very, very excited to go out there now and see it full of people and see a game going on out there. Yeah, what you think of the facilities? Because you probably had visited Georgia and maybe Alabama and some other places uh, that he worked. How did the Oregon facilities stack up? Well, to my eye, uh, which is, you know, not, not a real a highly – polished eye at that but to my eye they stacked up just fine i think oregon's facilities are are quite are quite excellent as a matter of fact uh i uh, now now the physical size of the stadium uh doesn't quite match up with uh, uh 
Alabama and Georgia where they're putting a hundred thousand people in there, you know, but, uh, but, the, but the layout of it and the, uh, uh, just the quality that I could see the facility was just, uh, just really excellent. And, and I can't wait to, to see it full and see a game. Give us an idea, you know, before I cut you loose, you know, coaches are going to deal with adversity. You know, nothing is perfect. We know that uh, there's going to be adversity in this season. You've been around your kid. Uh, what gives you confidence that, that Daniel Lanning can, can deal with some adversity? What gives me confidence is, is having seen him deal with it in the past and know that his response always is get up off the ground figure out what went wrong, fix it, and do it again. Uh, I know that he will uh, he will power through stuff like that. Uh, you know, uh, I, I expect him to be tremendously successful, but you're right. There will be, inevitably, there will be disappointments at some point in time. Uh, but I know he will he will handle those in a, just a great way because he always has. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you, you've done a fantastic job parenting. I said this in the piece, and, I, and I'll say it again. And it's not just with, with Dan. It's, you know, you've got other kids in the family. Uh, the entire family unit has to be incredibly proud of where he is. And I, I thought it was really interesting when I talked to you about the other kids like David and Jordan. And, uh, you know, you said, hey, look, all of our kids have been successful. And I think, you know, there's there's a parenting book out there for parents who have raised kids who are high profile kids who have been successful and maybe there's some young parent listening to this now don what advice do you give to somebody who's got a newborn baby in their lap uh what advice do i give a parent with a newborn baby uh first of all i guess i would say uh, uh, pray and, and and give give that baby's uh future to the lord and and then love them like crazy and always support them always pick them up when they're down uh you know um i'm not saying that i'm perfect at this but uh but between daniel's mother and me uh i doubt that we ever missed one or the other of us was at every single event that any of our kids were in and and that was pretty exhausting sometimes especially when you got three or four of them in advance all at the same time in different places but uh, we never missed anything when they were kids, and they always knew that mom and dad were going to be there physically as well as uh, for emotional support. And, uh, you know, you do the very best you can with that. Don Lanning, I appreciate your time. Thank you for letting us get to know your kid and your family a little bit, and I will catch you down the road. I know you're coming out to Oregon to see some games, and I will track you down and say hello. But thank you so much for, uh, for sharing with us. Well, thanks, Don. We'd love to meet you when we get out there, and uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. There he is, Don Lanning. He is the father of Oregon football coach. I want to call him Daniel now because his parents call him Daniel. And I, and it's funny on media day, I asked I asked Dan Lanning, what would your mother say about Dan Lanning? And he stopped me and he said, first of all, she would call me Daniel. Uh, I I just love that interview, Stephen. What jumped out at you? I love this. Well, I I again, I think that's the funny part too, is that he calls him Daniel the whole time because you know me <laughs> being the Stephen, you know, sometimes my friends or people call me Steve, but my parents always call me Stephen. So I understand like where they's where they's coming from on that. So I found that really funny, um, and I related a lot to to those moments. Just the the cadence of his talk too. Like I got him on a porch sipping lemonade or tea. He's, I don't know. I don't know if he is or not. I know he's on six and a half acres or so, and 
rural Missouri. And, you know, it's a family farm that has been in the family for many, many years. If you want the whole story about it, you can read it at johnconzano.com. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I got an etiquette question for you guys, all right? Let's kick this around a little bit. Yesterday was uh, Washington State football coach Jake Dickert's birthday, all right? I'm, I'm not in the business of wishing football coaches in the conference happy birthday. Some people do it. Some people tweet at him, happy birthday, whatever. I noticed Jake Dicker today is still on social media fielding birthday wishes. And I I got in trouble for this on this show a few weeks ago, maybe about six, seven weeks ago. Uh, Peter Courtney, the longtime president of the Oregon Senate, came on the show and I said to him, Hey, you had a birthday like a week ago. And I said, happy birthday. And he kind of grilled me. I think appropriately and justifiably so. He grilled me and he said, you can't wish somebody a happy birthday a week late. That You're just reminding them that you forgot their birthday. It wasn't important to you, whatever. He grilled me. I mean, and he was right. I shouldn't have done it. I should have just said, oh, to myself, oh, he had a birthday recently. I missed it. I should have just moved on. Is it poor form? To wish somebody a belated birthday, because given that we have cell phones and everything, aren't you just acknowledging that, hey, I didn't think about it yesterday? Yeah, I think you you need to. If, if it's not the day of, I mean, maybe the day after, but after that, two days, no way. If, it, if it's a day after, you can say, oh, you know, maybe I was out of town or just make up some, some excuse. But after that, no, I, two days, that's too much. I, I, and, and, I'm going to disagree, go ahead. I'm gonna disagree ahead, here. I think uh, okay. I think telling someone happy birthday, happy late birthday at any time is better than never telling them anything. I mm. think it shows that you care. And, hey, I missed this. I was busy on this day. Or, hey, you know, like Facebook didn't let me know it was your birthday, Snapchat, whatever. Because that's how I know how it, when it's people's birthdays. And that's how, you, uh, that's how you can acknowledge it late. I think it's better to acknowledge it late than never acknowledge it at all. I I don't know, man. I'll, I'll put it out to the room. You can tweet at us. Tell us, is it poor form to wish somebody a belated happy birthday? I think because you have a phone, I think the game has changed. Because it used to be you could stick something in the mail a day late, whatnot. And you, they even make cards. Like Hallmark makes a card that says happy late birthday or belated birthday or oh, I forgot or whatnot. Um, I remember just the other day, Anna had a birthday the other day. Her dad lives in Taiwan. Okay, There's a time difference in Taiwan. So maybe he gets a pass. It's like a different day half the time when she calls him. But she picked up the phone on her birthday and called her dad. And her dad didn't immediately wish her a happy birthday. And she said, hey, it's my birthday. And he said, oh, hey, happy birthday. And I kind of give him a pass because it was a day. It was a different day. Like, you know, probably wasn't on his mind. And, oh, by the way, he's just happy to hear from his daughter or whatnot. But... I also think, like, you know, there are some there are worse things to say than "Hey, I missed your birthday. Happy birthday! I know you had a birthday the other day." There are worse things to say. Like the worst thing I think the worst thing you can say to anybody is "You look tired." I hate that. I hate when people say "You look tired." I I know I look tired. Like if I'm tired, but I and sometimes I feel great and I'm not tired. And people say, "Hey, you look a little tired." That's the worst thing you can say to somebody. You're basically saying, "Hey, you look like crap." 
So don't tell me I look tired. Tell me how good I look. Hey, you look rested. Try that on somebody tonight. Try that on your significant other. Next time you see your significant other, oh, you look rested. What you're saying is you look great. So do that. Yeah. That would be a, that would be a compliment. Well, the bad part, like you said, is when you're not tired, and then they say, "Yeah, you're t- you look tired." I, I mean, <laughs> my wife says I kind of look tired all the time. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but I am tired all the time. Do you do you uh, do you look better than you feel, or feel better than you look? Mm, I would say. Uh, I probably feel better than I look. <laughs> With this beard I'm growing out, I look better than I feel. I, think. <laughs> I love I love that because I think it's kind of that's kind of an important thing. Like I would rather feel better than I look because I think the feeling is it's for you. It's internal. And the external stuff, that's for everybody else. Well, so yeah, it's the confidence I, thing, yeah. right? It's all yeah. about confidence. I would love to routinely walk by a mirror and just go like, holy hell, what happened to me? Like, I feel great, but that's what I look like. Like, that's that would be, I think that would be better than than you going by a mirror and going, oh, I look great, but man, I feel like crap. Why? All the time. Like, so I think uh, I would take feeling better than I look. Uh, but, and also, I think it's it's a weird thing to wish a stranger grown man to grown man interaction. I think it's a weird thing to wish another grown man happy birthday on social media if you don't know him. I uh, I tend to agree. I'm not a big happy birthday guy. I don't send out a lot of happy birthday texts to people. I only do when my wife texts me. Like today, it was my brother-in-law's birthday. She texted me and said, hey, it's Ryan's birthday. So I texted him happy birthday. Hey, and then, happy birthday, Ryan. Yeah, happy birthday, Ryan. And then, uh, you know, like you said, with technology, my phone acknowledged that I typed birthday and says, do you want to update your calendar? So I said, yeah. So now I'm going to hopefully remember that it's his birthday next, uh, what, August 24th. But, you know, I'm just not a big not a big birthday text guy. If I want to, if I want to wish you happy birthday, I'm gonna see you in person and tell you that. You notice the coaches, as part of their recruiting thing, have scheduled all these birthday posts for their players, and you know, happy birthday to my outside linebacker. It's like daily. Well, you seen this? It, yeah, it's just like me wishing a happy birthday to my friends. It shows that you care, and for those coaches, it's really important that they show their players that they care, especially now with the transfer portal, and you know the players can be gone in a flash. And so I do think that birthdays are a really good way of you know, like Stephen, it's your if if it's your birthday, like I'm gonna text happy birthday Stephen, and then Stephen knows like oh you know Sean cares about me. That's really nice of him. I think it's the mo- I think it's also the same for football coaches and their players. But when it comes to coaches, though, see, I would argue that since they're setting out so many that they don't mean as much, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the scarcity has gone away. Like, yeah, if you sent out one one tweet that said, hey, happy birthday to my quarterback, and that was it, that would feel special. But when you're sending out, you know, 55 tweets a year about it, then it's not as special. I can vouch for that. I did that once with Anna as an experiment because Mario Cristobal was wishing everybody happy birthday. I programmed my phone. I created an automation on my iPhone. And I didn't know I could do this, but I learned it on TikTok. I created an automation that would send for every day of the week at a certain time a note of encouragement to Anna, okay? And she loved it for about four days. And then she figured out that I had automated it because I happened to be standing by her and I wasn't on my phone and she got a text from me that said, hey, just want you to know how much I appreciate you and whatnot. And she went, is that automated? And I was like, no. No, it's not automated. She's like, you didn't just text me. And I was like, damn, I just got caught like Mario Cristobal would get caught. And and hey, Willie Taggart, I think, was was guilty, more guilty of it than anybody. Of course he not. had a social media person who was tweeting for him. You know, he had a person that was a hired gun that was tweeting. And a lot of the coaches do. But Taggart had a person that was tweeting as if he was Taggart. 
And if you look at his Twitter timeline, he was like almost a year to the day duplicating the tweets. Whoever was doing and scheduling the tweets for him was scheduling these tweets a year ahead and saying, okay, next year on the same day, same tweet. And it was a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, there's a lot. I remember I saw there was a lot of cutting and pasting, it looks like. And then fill, yes. fill in team here, fill in player here. Yes. Uh, but, so I, but here's the thing about your automated texts. Don't they still count, like, as a man, as a husband? I feel like that should still mm-hmm. count of, like, hey, I'm showing, uh, showing my wife some compassion and some love. I, I agree. Because you, put, you it, put in the effort. Yeah. You put in the effort to make that automatically come. Like, you're not, you know, you could have done other things with your day. You could have been working. But you know what? You made yeah. your phone automatically text her. I think that's You're sweet. damn right. Yeah. I did one, one for every day of the week. <laughs> At different times, too. It was beautiful. It was, like, off by, like, four minutes, six minutes, an hour, you know. And I thought, that'll work. It only worked for about four days. It was the perfect, onto it. perfect scam. Here, here's what I do <laughs> when, I, when a good friend has a birthday. I go on YouTube. I look up. Happy birthday, whatever the name is. Happy birthday, Steven. I find the most ridiculous video, and then I screen record it. It'll be someone singing happy birthday, and it's always super funny. I screen record that video. I trim, I crop it, and then I send it to them with no uh, text at all. And, I, you know, it's something that unique that I do. It's a five- to ten-minute process, and I think it's always good for a laugh. You only do this with your close friends, apparently, because I did not get one of these... When's your birthday, John? So I know for next year. Don't worry about it. Don't yeah. worry about it. I'm, I'm, I'm not that. Video. I'm not. I'm not out fishing for happy birthday wishes. All right, <laughs> coming up. I, I will not give you one. So just gonna tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Coming up, uh, punch it audio. We got great sound, including what a uh, executive in the TV world says about ESPN and the Pac-12 conference. It's really interesting. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald. Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but. If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.